Hey everybody, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening, and uh, big thanks to all of you who went to Patreon.com and made a pledge to support the show. If anyone else out there would like to show their support, head to Patreon.com, search for Deep in Japan, and uh, make a pledge. I recommend a buck a month, but uh, if you got more and you love the show, by all means, 5, 10, 20, 50, go crazy with it. Show me what you got. If you're like me, however, you know, you got three kids, a mortgage, you got uh, a job that has a really low salary, and you're hardly making ends meet, take care of yourself and your family first. That's what I would do. If I sound like I'm really tired and hoarse, that's because it's like 2 in the morning, and uh, I just put in a epic four-hour sound editing editing marathon and I'm lying down on the floor in my walk-in closet in the dark. It's kind of a scary metaphor for life, but uh, maybe an apt one, really. We're all kind of in a dark closet, I think, maybe. See, that's deep, right? Anyway, as a father of three, I kind of got to pick my spots, you know, and uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to record at any other time during this weekend. Uh, There's a big wedding tomorrow. A friend of mine from Canada is marrying a uh, local Japanese girl. That should be really fun. So, um, yeah, really sorry to be doing this, but, uh, yeah, you caught me in the closet. Anyway, tonight's show is uh, actually not a Deep in Japan show, but uh, rather an ALT Insider show. As you may have noticed, James, the host of that show, was a guest on my show recently, and uh, in return he invited me to be a guest on his show. It's kind of interesting, you know, that she was on the other foot, I was the interviewee rather than the interviewer, and so... um, You get to hear a little bit about me and my story. It's only really a slice of all the stories that I have here in Japan. But if you're interested in hearing more, maybe we can do that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, I hope you have a pleasant weekend. If, in fact, it's the weekend when you hear this. Today we're getting deep in Japan. Let's go. Welcome to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James, the ALT Insider Podcast, James here. Welcome to episode number zero eight um, zero seven eight of the LT Insider Podcast. Almost number eighty. That'll be a huge celebration episode, I'm sure. Welcome in. This week it is not just me. It's an episode with a podcast host himself, Jeff, the Deep in Japan podcast. I was a guest on his show, and I know some of you that you know heard heard his show for the first time when I was on there are still listening to that show. So enjoy. He is on this show now, and we can do a lot of cool topics about you know. How he got to Japan the first time, how he got, you know, his work in Japan now, his marriage in Japan, his marriage life, and there's really cool, interesting stuff. And it kind of gets to be like conversation between me and him. So I think it's really, it's a cool interview. I don't, you know, I, I know it's my interview, but still, I think it's a good one. Stick around, listen to that. As for site news, um, statement of purposes, it's that season. So I'm, I'm, you know, having a lot of fun checking people's statement of purposes. If you could, to make it a little bit easier on me, please send your statement of purpose. If you want me to check it, I'll happily check anybody's. Please go to ALT Insider Resume Review forward slash statement of purpose or just ALT Insider Resume Review.com to send it to me in an official kind of way because I'm getting sent all different kinds of ways and it's you know it's hard to keep track of them. But I will check anyways SOP. Please check out what we have over on the site. If you want a more detailed help, there are options for you there too. 
So without further ado, this is an epic interview with Jeff from the Deep in Japan podcast. And I hope you can learn something because I know I learned stuff from, you know, his out, his outlook is really interesting. So I think that's the, the, the biggest thing to enjoy about this episode. So sit back wherever you are and enjoy this episode. All right, tonight, guys, I have a very special guest. He is a, you know, host of his own podcast, and he is a someone working in Japan, having a great time in Japan, I trust. His name is Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great. And yes, indeed, I am having a great time in Japan. There you go. So let's get to what allows you, what the decision that lets you have a great time in Japan now, which is why, what made you come to, to Japan in the first place all those years ago? Oh, God. Uh, you know, this is going to sound really weird because... I never actually made the decision to come to Japan. Okay. It was made for me. <laughs> um, a friend of mine kind of pushed me in that direction, and he ended up actually filling out the papers for a study abroad program. I was, I think, I was hung over the morning that it was due. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> go figure. Yeah. And uh, really close friend of mine, um, he had a, you could say, a passion for studying Japanese and um, it, just interest in Japan in general. He'd been pushing that, and I was kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't know, Japan. You know, I heard it's hard. I heard the language is hard. And he was like, oh, no, they don't they don't distinguish between plural and <laughs> singular. <laughs> yeah, that makes it simple. It's so easy. <laughs> the difference between future and past – or sorry, future tense and present tense is the same. They're completely the same. So it's easy, man. And uh, I was like, okay. I needed a language requirement, and um, he basically just – filled out the forms for me, this uh, exchange form. And I got selected to do exchange in Japan. So that's originally how I came here. So you said exchange. So was it um, like you exchange a school with school exchange or was it like a homestay thing? What, what kind of situation was it? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a, you know, it's not like a one for one, a, a Japanese person is coming to my university, I'm going to their university kind of thing. But um, yeah, international school at Waseda University, it was a one year program. And there was a group of about, oh, 20 or so students from Oregon, which is where I hail from originally. And then there were students from at least 50 or 60 other countries around the world, all kind of pulled together in this one uh, building called the Kokusaibu, the International Division at Waseda. And we studied Japanese and uh, Pacific Rim politics and history and you name it. Just uh, It was an intense Japanese course plus, you know, politics, history, religion, economics, you name it. Okay, so you got like Japanese studies, kind of like the focus, but then you also have normal classes in English too, right? Yeah, all in English. And, and they encourage us to go into the regular Waseda University lessons as well, just kind of sit in and listen to lectures. Um, I came into the program with some of, like, some of the worst Japanese that you can imagine. Um, <laughs> there, were, there were like levels. There's like tears and shit. And since I was lacking motivation before I even came here, uh, I had studied the 101, 102, 103 sequence. Yeah. But that was it. And uh, okay. I, I tested it into like, I think it was the lowest class, maybe the second to the lowest class, 13 levels. And I think I was like level two, which is <laughs> okay. the, the bottom of the barrel. It's like, so you're learning Japanese. You understand that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like, so you get there. Um, that sounds like a recipe for a, a gaijin bubble situation. <laughs> I mean, if they've ever heard of one, you're on the building together. Was that kind of situation that happened to you? There was a lot was of like... bubbling, in fact. Um, yeah. But they encouraged you to get into some like clubs or some cliques, you know, on campus. And so I entered into like two international clubs. One was called the Wasta International Club, uh, WIC. The other one was Nijinokai, Rainbow Club. And it was through those clubs that I met a lot of Japanese people and was able to kind of kind of break into the language a little bit. 
Okay, so then you, f- you finish your year there, and obviously it was a positive experience, I, I, I take it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And halfway through the year is kind of when I thought, well, I think I'd like to stay here longer. And so I was kind of contriving ways to maybe to do that. Now, I had to go back to the United States to graduate. This is my senior year, actually. Okay. <laughs> well, people don't travel abroad with no Japanese experience to Japan, right? Their senior yeah. year of university. But I did. And uh, yeah, so I was thinking, oh, how can I how can I get back here? And I remembered meeting a guy involved in Sister City through these random circumstances like a, f- a few summers back. And I just happened to bump into his card. I had it in my wallet. And he. I remember him saying, you know, like, if you ever want to go to Japan, uh, get in touch with me. So uh, via email, I got in touch with him. And um, I was able to secure an ALT job interview like on site. It was like the first one ever because, you know, through the sister city committee, usually the people on my end in Oregon would, would sign, would find somebody and send them out. But in this case, I happened to be in Tokyo studying. And so I took the Shinkansen out to Nagano, interviewed in person. They liked me and, uh, I was able to hook up employment for the next year. Um, oh, I, nice. Yeah. So then you still, you still had to go home though, right? I still had to go home. I had to, I had to take a Japanese language proficiency test in, in order to qualify for my two years of, of language ability in oh, order okay. to graduate. Like that, that was the whole stratagem right from the beginning <laughs> was go abroad so that you can, you know, get at least two years of language under your belt in one year. Save yourself some time. I guess I'd already studied a year, but anyway, um, I wasn't really proficient in, in a foreign language. And so my friend was like, oh, if you go, you'll absorb it. And I did, and I absorbed it, and I took the test, and I passed, and was able to get my degree, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and bam, I'm right back in Japan, this time as an ALT in the countryside. Okay, so you're as an ALT in the countryside, and you said it's not with the JET program, it's it's with a sister city program, which is kind of a rare situation, I think. It is a very rare situation. Yeah. Um, it was modeled after the JET program in the sense that they, they kind of matched the salary, maybe even actually gave me a little bit more than that, actually. High roller then. Yeah. And then um, free car, free apartment, um, some other subsidies. Okay. So that's a pretty nice situation then. Economically, it was pretty nice. Yeah. (laughs) So you get to, now you're in this kind of, you know, sister city situation. It's going great. What did you think about actually working in Japan? Uh, You know, I was, I was stoked. Um, I, I came into it, you know, with no experience. Oh, that's not true. When I was a student in Tokyo, I did um, some part-time work on the side, you know, a Kiowa, yeah. um, for like 5,000 yen per hour in the city. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was yeah. a little bit spoiled in Tokyo as well. Um, but so, you know, I had a little bit of private tutoring experience before going into the countryside. Completely different mm-hmm. than being in ALT, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I, but I want to ask, what year was this actually when you did this uh, this college program? Uh, the college program was 2000 to 2001. Okay, yeah. So that was a little bit different uh, environment with the Akaiwa and ALT stuff. So the conditions, as you can tell from Jeff's uh, 5,000 yen for an hour, uh, are a little bit better than they are now, I think it's safe to say. Yeah. I mean, there's been some economic downturn since then. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So you, know, you work in the sister city program. It, you know, obviously, I don't think that can last forever. The JET program was a five-year limit. Was there a limit on the sister city program thing? There was no stated limit, um, but I was ready to get out after two years, and I did. Out meaning leaving the island or out meaning you want to do something else in Japan? My first year was pretty amazing, I think. Like I was getting out, drinking with a lot of people, having fun, climbing a lot of mountains, 
Um, and because I was a new teacher and it was all original and fresh, it was great. Second year was just kind of starting to drag on and, you know, I wasn't having fun. It was kind of like what you talk about. You were like, yeah. I wasn't having fun anymore. Yeah. And, uh, I thought, well, you know, then maybe this is it. Maybe I've ridden the wave out and maybe it's time to just kind of, you know, swim back to shore and find something new to do. My original plan was to, to get a master's and then a PhD in philosophy. My goal was to become a professor of philosophy. That's what I always wanted to do. Okay. Uh, so I went back and I started working towards that. And within a year of being back, they actually called me on the phone, like Japan. The same company. Oh, Jap <laughs> the Japan phone calls you. <laughs> like I was working <laughs> as like, like an assistant manager at a Starbucks trying to save money for graduate school. I had some money, but I'm, you know, I'm still trying to work yeah, yeah. And, and go back to school. And um, I was just doing my shift when the manager in the back goes, hey, Jeff, you got a you call from Japan? And I was like, what the? F <laughs> so I got to take this. So yeah, I went back and I took the call and, um, you know, people at the Starbucks knew that I had, I'd been living in Japan for three years. But I think it was more of a concept, like an abstract concept to them. And then they hear me speaking in Japanese on the phone. They're like, oh, Japan's on the phone. And it, so all the coworkers happened to be in the shop that day. We're kind of freaking out. We get it. You you went to Japan. Yeah. I mean, I, I never talked about it, really. I mean, they, were, they seemed to be interested. And they were like, what's Japan like? And I'm like, I really can't. I can't describe it. <laughs> yeah. But they go, hey, you know, um, we want you to come back. And I was just like, what? You know, I don't know. I, I had to stop and. Because my plan was not to go back to Japan. I had a I had a career path that I was on. Yeah, that's a big career kind of not not to say stopper, but it's a big career changer, right? If you're you have a plan to go to master's degree, all this stuff, and then Japan calls you back, and you know it's safe to say going back to teach teach Japan is not furthering your career towards what your goal was of being a you know a philosophy sense, a teacher at all. Not at all. And so you know I had to sit down and think about this, and I was you know doing the pros and the cons, and it's like. Is this regressing? What am I doing here? What's like, what's happening? And, um, my thought was, I don't speak Japanese perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm not too old yet. Um, I could go back. I could do things better than I did them before. You know, after you're out of the country for a while, you, you think back on your experience and everything is kind of put into a different light. You start to think that you could have been a better teacher. You start to think that you could have saved more. You could have mm -hmm. made more friends. You could have studied harder. You could have done things a lot better. I mean, th yeah. this is always the case. No matter where yeah. you are in your life, it's always possible to do things better. But you really lament that more when you're looking back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, if I could take another rush at this, I bet I could do it 10 times better. Okay, so did you have like an, like a limit in mind? Like, all right, this is going to be one year. I'm going to kill this one year much better than before. Or was there any kind of, was there any kind of limit parameters you set on it? Or did you just say yes without any kind of limits? Yeah, geez, thinking back, um, this would have been, how many years ago would this have been? This would have been more than a decade ago. Yeah, so we, we, we know what you decided. but <laughs> I'm not sure if I put a limit on it, but I never, let me put it this way. I never saw myself staying in Japan permanently as an expat that that was not in my mind let me just put yeah. it that way so let's get to how that decision happened so you went back to japan and this is the same program correct this is the same thing you know new bundle of teachers same set of schools same salary <laughs> okay this is the return of the i bet you it was a big deal when you returned you know your triumphant return back to the city right 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 so you know i come back 
and I just hit the books harder. Uh, I think I, I think I tried to be a better ALT than I was before. Um, and I ended up meeting my wife. So she was a student, or uh, she? I'm just, so, I'm just kidding. Just, <laughs> just kidding. You, I mean, you say that, but I have had students make passes at me after they graduate <laughs> and get older. No, have not have not done that. There's okay. <laughs> I maintain boundaries as a teacher. Um, in a sense, though, she was a student. I I taught a community course for adults, and she came, and she had gone to Oregon through the same sister city program as a high school student for a year. Uh, okay. Now back then they would do they'd send one student from the town to do a year in the high school in Oregon. She did that. And so after the class, after the first class where she came into this adults class, after the class she came up to me and she was like, you know, hey, I was in Oregon for a year and we just started talking about that, you know, and Decide, hey, let's continue this conversation somewhere else, or yeah, let's go to the bar and continue this conversation. <laughs> let's talk about Oregon there. <laughs> get some, get some meat, some yakitori. Okay, so let's go now. You found you, you. How many years in your second run did you meet your wife? Oh God, this this would have been actually quite deep. Let's see. So you were happily going along your second run for a while. Yeah, the second run. Huh. Um. It was a few years in before I met my wife, actually. So you kind of found being in the LT was kind of got to be fun again, I'd say it's safe to say? Well, let me just put it this way. My first time as an ALT, I was, there was no internet where I lived. This was like 2001, oh deep in the countryside. And what I would do is I would go climb mountains by myself or with a couple of Japanese friends or meet up with members of the Board of Education or teachers uh, and drink on the, on the weekends. And that was it. And then my second time around, I kind of made some connections with jet folks and, uh, you know, there's a lot more social activities mm. and I wouldn't say I was bubbling, but just having that English connection, something that I didn't have my first three years took me out of the isolation tank, which is what I was in my first three years, okay, uh, no, yeah, so two years in the countryside. So it kind of made you have more fun dur during work because you're Outside of work time was also more fun. I was also traveling um, inside of Japan, outside of Japan. Like I said, I had a pretty good salary, and so I was maximizing usage of that of that salary. Yeah, um, yeah, I was having a good time, having a really good time. So then you meet your you, you met your wife now. Let's say I don't know how many years pass until you get married. Few, three, no, one, just one. Two, like I, I had been dating, so like you know, I kind of knew what it was all about. I knew it was out there, and when I met my wife, I was just like, yeah, she's amazing. This is definitely the girl that I want to be with. And okay. it, it took about mm, a year for me to say that, you know, to lay out the plans to get married. And, you know, I approached her father and we yeah. talked about it. And I thought it was going to be like, you know, like there's like Internet pages on this. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to dress the right way. You have to use Kago. You have to sit on one side of the table and present your gift to the parents. And if they accept it, then you move to the other side of the table and. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, it's really in depth and a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and my and my wife was like, "Please do not wear a suit. It's going to be a chill dinner." <laughs> you know, my parents are really, you know, chill. So I I went. I wasn't wearing a suit, but I was really, you know, tense. And um, I was trying to do the whole formal approach to it. And my father in law was just like, "Dude, you don't have to do this. Yeah, just good. relax, dude. You you can marry my daughter." So. <laughs> that's good. And so you said before you're a life a expat lifer. You said early in the interview. I said that when I came back, I did not have the intention to live here permanently. 
But has that thought changed or is that still the, it's still in, in your future plans to live in Japan forever? I don't know if I've ever accepted the idea. Like if I was a millionaire, a billionaire maybe is what you need to be these days, <laughs> I'd have a few houses all over the place. I'd have one in Oregon, one in Hawaii, and I'd, I'd definitely have one here. I would love to spend a quarter to a third of the year in Japan every year if I could. Ideally. But, you know, the way it works is when you get married into, if you marry into a Japanese family, which is mm. what I did, if you, like, if your wife doesn't have an elder brother or a younger brother, for that matter, <laughs> if the male <laughs> sibling, you have to marry into the family if it's a traditional Japanese family, right? Especially in the countryside where there's land, property, a name. You know, my house, this, family, this land has at least 300, 400 years of history behind it. Mm -hmm. That's just as much as we can count, like looking back at like, you know, the generations, but it probably goes deeper than that. And they don't expect her to just up and walk away from that. Now, I wasn't really sure how all this worked when I married her. I just knew that I loved her and I wanted her to be my wife and I wanted to be with her. And then when I kind of found out about the cultural element of Atotori, which is, you know, taking on the land and the name and the tradition of the farm. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got this. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big, it's kind of a big step, right? It's not like when you get into international marriage and the family cares about that kind of stuff, it's not just an easy decision like, well, we can go, we can go back to America sometime. It's not that easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like a lot of Japanese people say that it's easier to mar marry a foreigner because they don't have to think about that kind of shit. Mukoyoshi, Atotori, who's going to marry into what family? Who's going to take what name, right? Yeah. But I sure. would recommend that if you are going to get married to a Japanese spouse, that you actually do put some thought and research into it. And talk about that. Uh, definitely important to talk about. She might not want to, but you should bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's where you're going to live is an important question. Do you want to live in Japan forever? You got to think about that, you know? And they might not say, like, like, my wife would love to live outside of Japan. She would love to go back to Oregon and set up shop over there. It's me who's kind of like, honey, you know, your parents would feel pretty fucking sad. She's like, yeah, I know. You know, it's like, so I think she was, may have hoped that I could just carry her on my back and spread my wings and flew back to Oregon. Did smash it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, in, in her heart of hearts, I think she also knows that as the eldest daughter with no male heir, it's our son the next generation who will carry on the family name. Okay. So that's a, uh, it's pretty deep uh, thing. Like to think about like when you get married to a Japanese person, it's not just like, Hey, we love each other. Get married. Yeah. I had no yeah. clue. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get to, you now you're married, happily married. You know, then you, did you stay at that job you had at the sister city thing until today? Is, are you still in that situation? No. When my, when my first daughter was born, I was kind of back in that position where I'm like, you know, I can't do this for the rest of my life. This is, come on, you know, this is a, a stepping stone to something bigger. And the LT job you're talking about. Yeah. And so yeah. I decided to quit and um, I was going to help my father-in-law with his business. And I was also going to run an English conversation school out of my house. Okay. Which I've been doing actually since then. Um, Still going. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then a, a mate of mine was like, dude, I really need your help. Um, he was one of those company guys for... Basically, they're called uh, Itaku Gyomu or what? Middlemen that like. Yeah. Dispatch, dispatch company. company, right? Yeah. So he was in one of those. And uh, 
somebody was kind of I don't know it was a shitty ALT. Let me just put it that way. I don't want I don't want to <laughs> talk too much shit about. Okay, I would love to talk shit about this guy, but I probably shouldn't. Okay, he was so he fired. Just a bad ALT. <laughs> he was shit can. It was a shitty ALT. He got shit canned. There's a lot of things that you don't want to do as an ALT. I'm sure you, maybe you've heard about them on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, uh, he did some of those things and he got fired and, uh, they were in a, in a bad way and they contacted me and I was like, I really don't want to do this. I got my own business that I'm setting up right now. And they were like, well, you know, we'll let you leave at like, at like one thirty after lunch. You just work in the mornings and how about four days a week? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Four yeah, days nice. a week until after lunch. Yeah. Okay. Sign me up. So I was doing that. And then, uh, in the evenings I teach out of my house. So, you know, my, my own private English conversation business. Yeah. And then the guy that was in the sister city program, uh, this would have been a couple generations after I quit actually, originally, uh, was going back to the States in kind of an abrupt fashion. Okay. And they contacted me again. They're like, we, we need you. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's like the little, the Batman light in the sky. And I'm like, oh, fuck, all right. You know, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll come back. So I'm back again. And I'm doing that again. I think I'm doing a really good job, but you know, I'm 40 years old and I'm doing, I'm working two jobs now, have my own podcast and three kids. I've never been busier in my life. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, you know, you say you're busy. So what kind of, are you, what kind of role do you have in your schools now? Let's say, are you tape recorder role? Are you more do everything kind of role? What kind of, you know, the schools are obviously very comfortable with you because you've been there like how many years now? More than, more than. 10? Well, I, I just came back last uh, summer, so September. Oh, okay. So what kind of roles do you have in the school? Okay, so I of... teach kindergarten, I teach elementary school, and I teach junior high school. Okay. In the kindergarten and in the elementary school, um, I just run it. I, I make my own curriculum. Uh, I lead the lessons. I try to incorporate the homeroom teachers as much as I can so that they're not just picking their nose in the back of the classroom. Yeah. Although some of them want to do that. Um, so yeah, I just, I run that and it's, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Um, if, if you were a new teacher doing that, I think you'd struggle, but since I have a lot of experience, I actually enjoy it. The junior high school, on the other hand, where there's uh, professional, uh, English teachers, Japanese English teachers, JLTs, Mm -hmm. they want to run the show and each JLT is different. So what I do in, in the in the junior high school is I size up my JTEs. I try to make a good relationship with them. I try to help them in whatever way I can. If they want me to be a tape recorder, by God, I'll be a tape recorder. But I'm always constantly trying to give them pointers and ideas that will help them maximize their usage of me as yeah. an LT. Um, I, I feel that, um, you know, I'm 40 now. I've been in the game a long time. So... A lot of times I have more experience teaching English than some of the JTEs that I work with. Yeah. <laughs> and in that case, um, it's kind of touchy because they're the leader, but I'm the senpai. And so I don't want to ruffle their feathers, but at the same time, I don't want to be in a shitty class. You know what I mean? Like I want yeah, to have, yeah, yeah. I want to have good lessons. Yeah. So, that's for sure. yeah. So what I do is I understand my role. I understand my position. And, and you, it's always good to understand your position in Japanese society. Like I've seen elder teachers in their fifties, uh, try and go head to head with the number two or number three in the school who happen to be five or 10 years younger than them. And they just get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know that even though I'm older, 
I'm a helper. And so I try to just help as, as best I can. And I, I don't try to have a big head about the fact that I think I'm a pretty good teacher. I just try to help people wherever I can, however I can. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, you didn't say the key points. Like you make sure make sure you're available to every teacher and to do whatever they need you to do. And also share some maybe some, from time to time things you could be doing to improve it. But still, at the end, it's always the JT's choice, you know? Yeah, the hardest the hardest situation for me is working with male teachers who have, happen to be about the same age as me, um, you know, 40, 50. I feel like that generation tends to be a little less open to new ideas. Yeah. And a little bit, they, I feel like not all of them, but many of them kind of have a little bit more of a complex about their English. So oh, I try okay. not to touch on that. Like um, I don't correct JTE's English mid-lesson unless they ask me to. Like if they write something that's just ridiculous on the board. Now I have done this in the past, but I found that teachers tend to get really offended by it. Yeah, yeah. I've I've found that too. Like I've never I never correct even if they say to do it, I still would not do it because it sometimes it, it makes them like shut down, you know. If they ask me to like, is this cool? You know, I'll tell them. I'll be like, Well, you know, I I probably oh, yeah, say yeah. it this way. But if they write something on the board and they're they're not even consulting with you. Like there's no preparation before the lesson, so you haven't seen the example sentences that they're going to write on the board, and yeah. they write them up there, and it's just something ridiculous. I'm not going to correct them until after the class, and if I feel like they've got like ego issues, I might not correct them at all. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's but not it's not worth it really to with some people. Of course, most times it is right to correct and fix and make sure the students know the right thing. But in some situations, right. if you correct, your relationship with that teacher will now be over. Exactly. So. so if it's a teacher that I'm friends with that I know who you know who I've been able to share things with in the past, who's come to me for questions about English, it's much easier to talk to them, and, and I will. If it's a teacher who I still haven't sized up or who I feel might be offended by that. I won't do it. So you you have a lot of experience as an ALT. So let, there's a lot of you know new LTs out there that are about two months in the job right now. Wow! Holy so shit! Give us some, Welcome. Give us something gentlemen. to share with them. Yeah. Give us some. What can, what can you teach them? One's one quick thing you can teach them. Those new LTs that you've learned in your experience. Well, it's going to depend on what kind of school they're in. Um, if are we talking junior high school here or what? Let's say junior high school. That's the most po- popular. Okay. Um, I would say, don't worry too much about your performance as an ALT in the classroom. I mean, certainly try your hardest. But right out of the gates, I would say try to develop a friendship with your JTEs. Mm. If possible, try to go out and have drinks with them on the weekends. And if you can yeah, that's- if you can become friends, if you can communicate with your JTEs as something like, you know, a friend or at least, you know, a colleague who shares mutual respect, you'll be able to, I think, make better inroads as a new teacher. But certainly, yeah, I mean, all the tips that you highlight on your podcast are are great when it comes to, like, practical things. But I tend to think that Japanese people really want to have good relationships first and foremost. So yeah, work those human relationships first. And then, yeah, of course, polish your lessons on the side wherever you can. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a key one because like even if like you're friends with you're not you're not gonna be best friends with all of your JTs if you have a lot of JTs, right? But certainly, even if you're friends with one of them, that shows the other one, the other teachers that hey, this I can work with this ALT. This ALT is open to working with me, so it makes everyone kind of work smoother too. So definitely, you know, um, some of the, the places where I think new ALTs tend to trip up are, gosh, I've seen people that just you know um, 
wouldn't change their shoes before coming into the school. That might sound crazy. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, there's a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, not saying, you know, good morning and good night. Like little things like that. Like um, it's very important, I think. Yeah, the, the first step is don't be stupid. You know? <laughs> so anyways, let's get to Jeff has his own podcast, which is called Deep in Japan Podcast. And it I was actually a guest on that show a, a few months back. But Thank you very much Jeff, for that, sir. Yeah, what if uh, what if I've never heard of Deep in Deep in Japan podcast? What can I expect for if I listen? Well, you know it's a it's still emerging. It's a it's a new project, so I don't have as many episodes as you. You have like what over seventy? Seventy something. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I may have just shy of twenty. And my, the whole point, the whole concept of the show is that we are all vessels of experience here in Japan, and we all have our own ideas about Japan based on those experiences. And in my podcast, what I really want to do is just show the variety of human experience that's available here in Japan. I'm, I'm doing mm-hmm. interviews with Japanese people. I'm doing interviews with foreigners in Japan, not just teachers, but, you know, whoever, you know, whoever you are, whatever you're doing in Japan, I'm interested in understanding your experience and if possible, kind of polishing it into a little gem and, and clarifying it and putting it out in these short little, well, some of them are longer, podcasts that kind of give people insight into how another person views Japan. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I think um, the, um, I think the, the, even though everyone can enjoy it, but I think it's really valuable if like maybe you're new in Japan or like you're thinking about going to Japan because you can learn about all these people that have a long, you know, history in Japan. Like Jeff has had a long history. I have a long history in Japan. Like everyone has different ways they go through Japan and it's really interesting to learn about different ways people are successful in Japan because then you can kind of not emulate everything, but kind of learn that the ways they got to be successful in Japan, you know, like Jeff here, you know, there's many times when, you know, you had to kind of change things up and like you, you had to weigh the pros and cons of coming back to Japan or not. You came to Japan, then you started your own business, that kind of stuff. Like the the techniques you use to get successful, I think is important to learn. Definitely. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's experience on the one hand and then there's all the furniture that you have in your in your head and rearranging that furniture is very important. So mm. <laughs> over my career in Japan, I think there's been some major revolutions in the way that I look at Japan and think about Japan. And I'm interested in understanding how other people also look at and think about Japan. Yeah, so do you have any um, cool guests coming up you want to highlight or anything? I can edit this question out if there isn't any. There are. There are. There's actually a lot. Um, I've got so much material, in fact, that it's hard to keep up. But... Um, <laughs> You know, um, the most recent guest on the show was Arudo Debito. He is a uh, professor of, I believe it's racism studies from Meiji Daigakuin. Um, he's got a long, interesting history as uh, a con- controversial figure, to say the least. I very think. controversial. Very controversial. He's one of the most controversial figures among the so-called Naijin community. Although he yeah. doesn't, he no longer lives in Japan. He left Japan recently, but he's still um, active in the field. His blog is still up. And I did like, I think six hours of interviews with him, which I've broken up into four segments. Two of them are out already and two more are coming down the pipe. And after that, I will be having Baye McNeil, uh, the famous author on the show. There'll be a podcast about Mormon missionaries in Japan. You name it. There's a lot, actually. There's a lot. Oh, Mormon missionaries. Out. I'd, I'd be interested in that one. Yeah, it's 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 recorded. I just need to get around to editing. <laughs> you it. better get get to work on that one because I mean, they're still. I mean, when I used to live in a really small town, they were still around somehow. I was like, how did you guys get here? I had about ten hours with these guys. 
Oh my God, you do long interviews. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And you break it. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't just. He doesn't post ten hour interviews though, guys. He and, cuts them down to a manageable size. No, it's not going to be ten hours. And and during the during the break in the recording, I regaled them with one of the most ridiculous stories I have about Japan, which involved uh, going to a clinic and having a uh, Q-tip shoved up my penis. <laughs> We've all had that story. You know? It turned out well. The whole thing was <laughs> okay. crazy. Wow, it, I'd, I'd like to ask that, but then Oh my God, it. it's unbelievable. But after this, they go, so um, that's not going to be in our podcast, right? And I was like, oh no, guys, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Penis stays out of this one. <laughs> I think they had just as much fun doing the interview as I did. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's get, um, you know, you've been, you shared a lot of cool stuff and really cool history in Japan, I think, and really interesting. So what is your future plans in Japan? What do you what do you kind of think? I know you shed a little bit of light on that, but what are you thinking about? What's your, what do you see yourself in the next five, ten years? Oh, my God, five years. Well, my kids are still young. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And given the situation in America, like I was originally thinking about taking them back for a few years anyway to do like a, like a trip to the States. Mm-hmm. And then to come back to Japan and finish off education here in Japan. But I'm actually starting to rethink that, you know. Um, there's a lot of crazy shit going on in the States these days. No doubt about that. So I think I'm going to allow my kids to finish out their education here in Japan. Now, I live in the deep countryside, and there's not very many jobs. In fact, most of the local Japanese people who live here, who come of age here, end up moving away to get jobs in the big city like Tokyo or Osaka, right? Yep. It's not easy to find jobs here. Now, being an ALT is not the greatest job in the world. It, it can be. It, it can be highly rewarding, especially if you do your job well. You know, it's not what I wanted to do originally. I wanted to be yeah. a, a philosophy professor. Now, that's not going to happen. I got sidetracked in Japan, so to speak. But if I can make money and support my family, I am grateful to do it any way I can. And if that means being an ALT, so be it. But to be honest with you, I'm kind of hoping that some of the side projects I have going actually pan out. Like, you know, the podcast, I'm doing some writing. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. I don't know how it's going to be, actually. And that's the great thing about life is you really don't. And maybe you'll be interviewing me 10 years down the road as a 50-year-old ALT in Japan. <laughs> yeah, God, I hope not. Or at least I hope that I still have a good attitude about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Even if, if it happens, happens, you know, if you have a good attitude and you're having fun, then that's the most important thing, yeah? You know, we only live one life. We all end up in the same fucking place, which is the soil in the ground. So I think while I'm here, if I can just smile with people and make their lives a little bit better and enjoy my own life in the process, while at the same time helping my kids come of age and be decent human beings, healthy, happy human beings, I think I'll live a good life. I won't be a philosophy professor, but, you know, Maybe I'll have uh, lived the philosophy that I myself strive, you know, to, to you know, I'm not putting this right, but maybe I'll have lived <laughs> philosophy rather than just thought about it, you know. There you go. I think that's the perfect way to end things. So um, if people want to check out more of your stuff, where is the best place to find your stuff on the internets? That's, yeah, that's a good question. I actually don't have my website memorized you know, but <laughs> so <laughs> if you would like to listen to my podcast, go to iTunes and search for Deep in Japan. You can subscribe there. Um, please note that one podcast is in no way indicative of what the entire show is. Every single show is going to be different. So, you know, um, subscribe. And if you have feedback, by God, please get it to me. My email is ecowilliam 
at gmail.com, E-C-O-W-I-L-L-I-A-M at gmail.com. If you know somebody who wants to be on the show, who has the most amazing experiences in Japan ever, contact me. I'd love to interview them. There you go. And I'll put all the links to that stuff on the show notes page. Um, Thank you, sir. So, Jeff, it was nice, really nice talking to you, and I wish you the best of luck with everything. I mean, sounds like you're having a great time. So You as well. keep on going. You as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right, Jeff. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit ALTinsider.com. See you next time.